welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam Vanderweelen. I'm so grateful that you're here. And today we're talking about Kenny G. I mean, like, what could be better than that? And somehow I'm going to relate this to business because if you know me, if you listen to any of my stuff, I can I could literally relate, I think, anything to business. Um, my friend Rochelle tells me I'm the queen, queen of analogies, metaphors. Um, so welcome to On Your Terms. Um, in case we haven't met already, I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur, and I help online business owners legally protect and grow their online businesses using my DIY legal templates and my best-selling Ultimate Bundle program. And here on the show each week, I bring you fresh legal tips and business building advice. I focus a lot on evergreen marketing. I post new episodes every single Monday and Thursday. So I am so glad you're here. And if you're new to any episodes in May, then um, I'm doing a little thing in May where every single episode kicks off with a little tribute to my dad, Norm, who passed away this month last year. And I'm doing that by sharing a Norm tip because Norm, he was famous for his tips, for his advice. So Norm had a pretty staunch rule that root beer should always be served in a glass. And he said it should always be served ice cold. He really loved Dr. Brown's. Um, if you're Jewish, you know, you know. Um, and he also loved Sprecker's because my husband, Ryan, he's from Wisconsin. And once I started going to Wisconsin and I started getting Sprecker's, I brought some back from my dad in Philly and he was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> so he really, really likes Sprecker's since I've been with Ryan. Um, but yeah, he that man felt very passionately about his root beer. He'd like every once in a while, he'd go for like a Barks or I think like when I was little, he might have liked Mug, but then Pepsi might have like either Bob Mug or I don't know. He thought it changed, but he is so funny because he was he's so like me in that like he, he becomes like a connoisseur of his like little things like he loved root beer. So he became a connoisseur of root beer. Um, I do this, too, about like coffee and tea and like just really random, random stuff. Um, so if in case you have root beer or if you have Olipop like I do, I love Olipop root beer, um, which Norm said was fake and he wouldn't he wouldn't he had he wanted nothing to do with it. I, I on the other hand, I like it. Um, but if you have an Olipop on me or a, a real root beer uh, on Norm, then uh, make sure it's served in a glass. OK, so in this episode, we're going to talk about Kenny G versus real jazz. So let me let me just back up and explain where this came from. So my husband, Ryan, he loves jazz. He's a crazy jazz person. He is crazy records person. Um, although he is a professor, his office looks like he's running a music store. Um, so the other night, you know, we live on the North Shore of Long Island, but we're fortunate that we can like pop into the city and we can go see shows and stuff like that. So the other night we go to this really famous jazz club called Blue Note. It's in the city. It's in the village. And first of all, it was just so cool to see. We saw Ron Carter, um, who's 86 years old, looked incredible, was incredible, beautiful musician. And he was just like so in the groove, in the zone, like so um, he was just like blissed out. Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just it was it's so cool for me to watch. Like, I know nothing about jazz. I really know nothing about music like Ryan has a double degree in political science and also in classical guitar. So he like really, really understands music. And I'm just like, this sounds good. Or like, this doesn't sound that great. That's about my extent and knowledge about music. And, and I also am like extremely liberal with my music taste. Like I love music and I just kind of like, like everything. I don't know. Nothing really bothers me. So except maybe like scream, like scream rock. I think I don't like that because <laughs> I don't like screaming. <laughs> so it was just really cool to be there and like just see 
it was a, a what's it called a trio yes there were three of them um the trio like was just so in the groove and they all just seemed so happy and like you know when you see people doing something that's like it's so clear that that was their path like that's what they were supposed to be doing and everything just kind of like clicks that's how i felt watching this trio like you could just tell that all three of them really had had found their way right and when we were at the jazz club i found out that there's actually this one jazz guy that I really do love because <laughs> this is a very this is a very me story Ryan Ryan will laugh about this but I was getting a facial at a very nice place and there was this beautiful beautiful music playing in the background and I was like what is the who is this artist what is this album like you need to tell me because I'm obsessed it was like this transcendental like experience and I've since told everybody I know about this album because I'm so obsessed with it but the artist's name is Pat Metheny, and the album is called Beyond the Missouri Sky, I believe. Um, it's on Spotify, I know, because I listen to it like every day. Um, it is just like the most peaceful, soothing music. I don't know. So I like low-key became obsessed with Pat Metheny. Um, and it's it's just funny because it's like not the music I listen to day to day, but it it's great, like working music, around the house music, we need to chill the hell out music, like whatever you need. And, um, I was, I, we were at Blue Note and like up on the board, it said that Pat Metheny is going to be there this summer. And it's like, oh my God, this is like my one chance. Like I actually know who this person is. Pat Metheny is going to be here. And Pat and Ryan was telling me that Pat Metheny, I, I forget why exactly this part came up, but he was like, Pat Metheny has been so outwardly vocal and critical of Kenny G. Like he hates Kenny G, right? I don't know if he actually hates him, but like he's apparently spoken out about him a lot, right? And he's kind of said things to the effect of like that Kenny G's a hack. He's not like he's not real jazz. He's not a real jazz musician. He's he has no talent, etc. Right. So I just found this to be so funny. I mean, so interesting that like this, the, there's apparently like a jazz feud, which now has me like cracking up. But I was like, let me look something up really quick. So, and, and and by the way, I want to preface this by saying like money is not only not everything. It's like, hard, it, I, I don't care. Like making more money doesn't make you better than somebody else. But I was just curious because like I had a feeling that maybe part of the criticism that comes from this is that Kenny G is like low key loaded, right? Super loaded. So um, I was like, how much money is, is Kenny G worth? So I look him up. Kenny G is worth a reported $100 million. Okay. <laughs> like Kenny G for, I just cannot believe it. And I have like flashback memories of driving around and my mom sob when I was little and like her listening to like, dun, 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 like Kenny G just very funny. Um, so I was then like, okay, well, what about Pat Metheny? Like how much is Pat Metheny worth? I feel like I've given him at least a million dollars through Spotify playing, you know? So Pat Metheny is allegedly worth $10 million, not chump change, but a lot less than $100 million, right? Again, I could care less, doesn't make you a good or better, worse person on any of that kind of stuff. I was just curious about, you know, maybe an artist who feels like disgruntled about somebody who's really taken off, right? Versus the the real artist, like the real jazz, something like that. I think at this time when this happened a couple of weeks ago, I had noticed something else on Instagram, bringing it back to our own industry, there was this RD that I had followed a long time ago because I was interested in her content. I really liked what she was posting and I used to read her stuff here and there, whatever. 
Over time, I started noticing that every single time her Instagram stories would come up for me, her Instagram stories were always tearing other people apart for being a hack, right? It was like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about, or this idiot commented on my post and look how dumb they are and kind of like publicly calling them out. Um, she's really anti-coach, right? She doesn't like people calling themselves health coaches and she doesn't like um, nutritionists who aren't licensed and basically anybody who's not an RD or, or a doctor. And, and, you know, look, there's a lot to say about this. Like, obviously, I'm I'm like queen of scope of practice and I, I know there are lots of people doing things outside their scope. I also know that there are plenty of great coaches out there who are really helping people and doing things the right way, which is probably why you're here, right? But the point being that I just started noticing this, like all of her content was just spent like ripping this other stuff apart and ripping her own followers apart to be like, you know, somebody would ask her a question in the DMs. And then that became an education on being disrespectful about the way you ask a question and treating her like Google and that stuff happens, but like, there's a way to handle it. And, and I think sometimes we can kind of spiral as business owners and like all of our stuff becomes about that. I I went through a phase like that myself years ago And it was funny as a consumer because I actually, over time, forgot kind of what she did. I was like, wait, what is she? I mean, I knew she was an RD, but I was like, does she have like a program? Does she work with people privately? Is she a business coach for RDs? Like, I'm confused, right? And I I couldn't remember. And I couldn't really remember even what she stood for. Like, why did I start following her? Was she like an RD who helps people who are focused on fitness? Or like, you know, sometimes I'll I'll look at somebody who has a certain niche that I'm, I'm interested in, right? So I don't I don't know why. And and it was really bothering me to the point where I didn't actually want to follow her anymore because I didn't want to see this content all the time that was just anti content. Right. I hated it. So what does this all have to do with Kenny G? What does this have to do with like the Kenny G versus a real jazz artist? So let's break this down for a moment. Kenny G, our little friend, Kenny G, he is very popular, very like widely known. He's a household name or an image like at least let's say that like a lot of people would know who Kenny G was versus like who Pat Metheny is or some other jazz artist, right? We also now know that Kenny G is mega hella rich, right? He is super, super loaded. Um, and I would also say at the same time, he's maybe not super widely respected, but very widely loved and listened to because he has a very large, more like popular mass audience. Um, but not as respected maybe within his own field, right? So um, real jazz artists, on the other hand, because apparently Pat Metheny is not alone in, in the way he thinks, and I hear your Ryan, his like jazz friends talk about this too. You know, they they kind of fancy themselves as like not as popular. They've got a strong niche, right? But they've got a really passionate, passionate group of people. It's a strong, smaller, concentrated group of people. I think that they pride themselves on being like real and 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 kind of differentiating themselves from the popular people. On the other hand, they identify also with being like the real artist or like the not super rich or the broke and the struggling artist. Right. That's a thing. And I also think that they see themselves and, and this could also be true, perhaps, but they see themselves as like doing their life's work. They feel very like I mean, they feel righteous. I don't want to say that in a bad way, but like they do feel, I think, kind of like righteous in that way. And I think they generally feel like they're carrying out their life's purpose, right? I couldn't help thinking of a similar scenario here where like uh, a mom and pop restaurant who's like 
busy enough, but not not like having lines out the door. They're making their family's food. And like they have a small group of people who consistently come to the restaurant and love the restaurant. Um, but they see a, a McDonald's or a fast food restaurant across the street who's got lines around the block constantly, cars streaming in, going through the drive through. And the mom and pop restaurant thinks, what are we doing wrong? What should we be doing differently? And I'm like, we don't all need to be McDonald's. We don't all need to be Kenny G, right? And I want to break this down a little bit as like how this shows up in our own businesses. On the one hand, I think that we can take a little piece of what Kenny G's and and like the McDonald's and the Pizza Huts of the world, Taco Bell, I'm going to have an episode coming out for you about Taco Bell soon. We can take little pieces of what they've done in their businesses, if you want to, to popularize or scale your business, right? So I do this a lot with marketing messages and tactics that I see big companies do. So I think one of the best things you can do for your online coaching business is to stop consuming just content from people who are in your space or or other coaches or who do exactly what you do. And instead, start looking to businesses that are completely different than you and way bigger on a way bigger scale, different kinds of businesses. I'm talking corporate America, right? And I look and I watch what they're doing. I see like, that's so interesting. I see how they took this trend, right? For example, I just saw I just saw a commercial the other day for a blender that they wanted you to buy on uh, like a direct-to-consumer blender, right? And this, this blender company used trends that we see on social media. It was basically like an ASMR type um, commercial where it was actually extremely quiet. And first of all, the point of the commercial was to point out to you, to draw your attention to the fact that this blender was super quiet. So that like was interesting. It was also a pattern disrupting commercial because it was so freaking quiet that it got my attention. Because if you have a TV, then you know that for whatever reason, the tech gods like to turn up the volume on commercials to a crazy level, right? But this commercial was the opposite. It got dead silent. And then that got my attention. And it also got me looking at how like, hey, this blender is really quiet. <laughs> my my Vitamix, like I love my Vitamix, but it like blows my eardrums out, right? And they use ASMR. The girl was like tapping on the thing and she was like pouring. You could hear them like chopping the fruit and whatever. And I thought that this was so interesting. And I was like, that's so interesting to see is like the commercial. Like I've never thought about doing a commercial for my product, for example, where you could do that, you could play on ASMR, you could do a little pattern disrupting. So I'm always paying attention this is how my brain works. I'm always paying attention. I'm always looking at calls to actions on billboards, on headlines, on major websites. Um, I look at promos and releases for big businesses. I look at the email marketing strategies for brands and companies that I love I look at the websites for companies that I love to see what they're doing, right? Not to copy, of course. You know, you know, I would never recommend that. But to kind of study and understand and observe, right? What's what's really going on here? And I think we can learn a lot about consumer buying behavior and trends, right? So I notice a lot from looking at the bigger companies, the Kenny G's of our industry. I learn a lot from them to see like, what they're testing and try to figure out why are they testing that or notice differences in their language and different strategies. I think that there's a lot you can observe from the larger companies and let some of this stuff trickle down to how that plays into like a smaller business like ours, right? And I also think, you know, you can you can look at the psychology of marketing and and how, I don't know, 
how somebody like Kenny G can play to the masses, for example, or like what what Taco Bell does. There's this insane um, article in The New Yorker that I will I will link to in the show notes. But there was this incredible article about the depths to which Taco Bell goes to study their consumers, to study tastes and trends and getting there to be like buzz and interest in their products. I just find it all so fascinating. And I think that there are little tidbits that we can take away. Like, look, I don't, I'm not building a Taco Bell. I'm not interested. I'm not building the Taco Bell legal templates. I'm not interested in doing that. Um, that's, that's not what you're doing either. But I think that that my point is that instead of hating on it, instead of standing there and being like, Oh, what a hack, what a terrible company, what are this? Let's just take what we can get from it. Let's understand, like, let's use them as marketing subjects, I guess. And let's see what we can take and apply to our own businesses. At the same time that you're observing the Kenny G's, the Taco Bell's, the, the Nordstrom's, the Walmart's of the world, you can also double down and lead into what makes you uniquely not Kenny G, not McDonald's, not all of these things. So what do your people, for example, hate about the Kenny G's of your industry? Maybe that's Weight Watchers or Noom, or maybe it's Planet Fitness or um, it's Nordstrom. I don't know. It's like some big thing, right? Some big box, probably one size fits all. You know, for me, it might be like a legal Zoom or something like this. What do your people hate about that? Or even just like it for me, somebody like me and, and for you too, it might be like, what do people hate about the traditional legal system? What do people hate about going to doctors? What do people hate about um, working with a normal CPA? Like there are all kinds of things. So I like to think too about like, well, what's what's missing from there, right? So there might be less of a connection, less personalization. Um, there are people out there who are like Ryan and who are jazz nerds and who are never going to be into Kenny G's because they want to like double down and study the like, I don't know, whatever they do. <laughs> he would murder me right now if he, if he knew. I was using this as an example. Um, so will my production team because they're all like a bunch of music heads and they know so much about music. So they're going to be like, oh, my God. Um, but, but basically, whatever people typically hate about the the kind of like big overhanging industry that you're working under is something that you can lean into and emphasize that you're not. Now, we don't want to do that like the RD that I was talking about because she was focusing on the wrong thing, in my humble opinion. And I certainly don't know everything. But just in my in my opinion, we don't want to focus our energy downwards, right? So like if you're an RD and you're upset that there are health coaches, I don't think the way to spend your energy is to yell online about health coaches. I think the bulk of your marketing should be focused on positioning yourself as an expert and an authority. So you should be sharing educational content, content that's fun to consume, depending on what platform you're using, content that really speaks to where your current customer is at, what they're struggling with, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then letting people know, you know, about what your offers are and what you do and how to like, what next step, what next step, what do you want them to do? Right. That's really the bulk. And if I were this person, I'd probably talk, be talking more to my customer and what their frustrations are than what my frustrations are. Right. So being an RD who talks crap about other health coaches is your frustration, but if you're working privately, for example, with clients on their 
nutrition or health or wellness or whatever, your clients don't care about that. Like they don't care. They want to know how to fix their gut or become a vegetarian or whatever, right? Put on muscle. So that's not how we would speak to them, right? You can definitely use that as part of your education, I think, of your customer to be like, hey, look, there's going to be other people out there. Like as you're shopping around for, help them make a decision. Like as you're shopping around for who to work with to help you with your gut, you're going to see a lot of blah, 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 right? You're going to see these people peddling this. You're going to see this happening, right? I've talked to you about how like you'll see business coaches doing this because you'll see business coaches telling you, don't worry about legal. And I tell you like that information is wrong. That information though is information that my ideal customer is hearing. It might be a myth that they have bought into accidentally. And I do need to educate them through the process about why that's wrong. So not just being like business coaches are idiots, because by the way, I don't think that. But when I talk about like how there have been a few times when I've seen, you know, statements made like this or, or people come to me and they're like, oh, my business coach told me I don't need this kind of stuff. I use it as an educational moment. Right. So it's an educational moment. So I can use that as a way to bring leverage, to establish myself as an authority and to shift my ideal customer through a myth. Right. So instead of just being like Kenny G's an idiot or Kenny G sucks, he's not. He's a hack. He has no talent. It would be more like explaining maybe to people. I don't know. The jazz example is probably a bad one, but explaining to people what makes your stuff so great or show me like show me how great your music is. Show me something that's so talented that you do and then explain to me the difference. Educate me. I don't know. I wouldn't know the difference otherwise. Right. The mom and pop restaurant who makes the incredible family recipes. Don't stand there and just tell me how horrible McDonald's is and how they have, you know, terrible food or something. Tell me what is your food? What what is so incredible? Why should I come here multiple nights a week? Why should I take my hard-earned cash and come here, right? Establish a personal connection with me so that I feel so like welcome and connected that I would never dream of going somewhere else because I would want to support you, right? So that's what we need to think about for marketing our businesses, not spending so much time talking crap about how Kenny G sucks or how coaches suck or this person sucks, even getting too focused on how corporate sucks, right? I see a lot of people spend their time talking about how traditional medicine's terrible, how traditional finance, real estate, dating apps, like you name it. And I think it's an important part of the story. I think it's an important part of educating your customer, though, along the journey. And it's really important for you to remember who your customer is and what they're struggling with, not what grinds your gears, right? You can talk to a friend, talk to a partner, talk to your colleagues about that. Um, you can send me a DM, be like, oh, really grinds my gears to this thing that happens, right? Um, I'm here to talk grind my gears all day long, but but I sometimes have to step back even myself and remember like that's not what you're here for, right? Um, I get copied a lot and there's like this one, there's this one legal templates person who copies me a lot. It like mimics me a ton, made all her branding look like mine. You know, everything I do, she does it, all this kind of stuff. And I get messages from people every week, multiple messages a week telling me that they think that I'm, that this person's copying me, that they're confused by it. They thought it was mine, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 
you know, they're like, you should speak out about this and yada, yada. Now, I teach you every day what to do if somebody steals your content, right? And I teach you every day what constitutes mimicking and copying and yada, yada, yada. I have lawyers that I send things to when people report things to me, right? And I have people who follow them, who monitor what they're doing and opt into all their stuff. So I don't want to spend my marketing time talking badly because it turns from a a teaching lesson for you to a personal beef, like a drama, right? And I don't need to stand there personally and like make myself feel better to be like, this person sucks. They're a hack. They didn't even, you know, they weren't even a business lawyer. They didn't even practice law. Some of these people I see opening legal templates, businesses that like didn't even practice law, um, you know, all kinds of things. Like I could stand here all day and point out all these differences and judgments and criticisms that I have of this stuff, right? Because I'm human and this stuff comes up. How does that help you? I don't know. I think you would be better served by an episode that's like what to do if someone steals your content. What what is the difference between mimicking and stealing? You know, when do you know it's inspiration versus stealing? Um, I can pull lessons out of my frustrations and share them. So to the person that I used to follow who won't stop posting about, you know, hating this person, hating that person and thinking every commenter is an idiot. Um, you have to think about how you're spending your real estate. You have to remember who you're speaking to and what they're struggling with. And unless they're looking for some sort of like Jerry Springer style, uh, may God rest his soul. Um, but some Jerry Springer style, like show about online business, it can be a bit much. And I think that it comes off a little temper tantrum-y and I I just think that we have very precious like time and real estate with people. And when we let that that stuff get the best of us, it's not a great look, right? I remember my my friend and business coach, um, Naomi, who I'll link to below from the lifestyle edit. I remember I was going through this phase years ago and Naomi was like, it's just not a good like energy to be in, right? So like, I get why you're frustrated. I get this person stole from you. I get this person copied or they're the commenter. Like I used to get really pissed about comments and then I would like post the comment and then like break down the comment as to why it was so mean and rude and whatever. And she was like, you know, you're totally justified, but like talk to me, talk to somebody else, talk to a friend, get it out, write it, do whatever you got to do. But posting about it every day and like turning your feed into like a like, yeah, like a scorned lover kind of thing. It's not, it's not a good energy. And so when we see people doing the like Kenny G versus real jazz kind of thing, I just think, how do I want to spend my energy? Am I, am I just telling people why that guy sucks or am I really proving why my stuff is so great? Period. Not related to anybody else, but just what, what do I stand for? What do I do? How do I help people? What's in it for you? Why should you be here? Why should you listen? Why should you care? That's really my primary focus when it comes to creating content and marketing my business. So I am so curious <laughs> if you liked this episode. If you thought that this, if this sparked any thoughts for you, I want you to send me a DM on Instagram at Sam Vanderweelen. Um, let me know if you liked it, if you listened to it. 
Um, this was one of those where I was like, this really makes sense in my head, but um, I was worried that nobody was going to care about this, this Kenny G topic. So I hope it was helpful to you. Let me know. And wherever you listen to the podcast, please give it a quick rating and review. Um, send it to a friend, text it to a friend real quick if you think they would find it helpful. I so appreciate you listening. And with that, I can't wait to see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi. 